0: If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and Mother to Ali, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm excited to have Brett Gilliland on the show today. Brett is the founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors and host of the Circuit of Success podcast. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five star rating. So, Brett, oh my goodness, welcome to the Something Extra podcast. I've been looking forward to this.
1: So excited to be with you today, Lisa. Thanks for having me.
0: I know one thing is for sure you and I are going to have a good conversation. But before we get started, I mean, you're married to Julie, and you have four boys, Max, Drew, Hudson, and Asher, which I know keep you incredibly busy, right?
1: (laughs) That is correct. That is absolutely correct. Absolutely.
0: Now, are they into sports right now?
1: They are. I think, gosh, we've got volleyball, a couple soccer teams, a basketball team, a flag football team, a couple baseball teams going on right now, so it's... uh, we broke our cardinal rule this year, Lisa. It's one sport at a time, and, and that is not going well right now. So we're a little busy, but we're having a lot of fun. Well, you
0: know what? It's so hard, isn't it? Especially when the kids are interested in a lot of things.
1: You're right. We're, we're a believer in uh, more than one sport for each child, but usually one at a time. But we, uh, like I said, we've broken the rule, but that's all right. We'll get through it. We're having a good time.
0: Yeah. Now, did you grow up playing sports yourself?
1: I did. I did. I played a lot of baseball, basketball, but my... My passion was golf. And so I played a little bit in college as well. And yeah, I've been a golfer and still to this day, love to play golf, love to play basketball, still involved with coaching and stuff like that.
0: Now, I know that you went to Eastern Illinois University, but I was thinking about this. Did you grow up in Illinois?
1: I did. I grew up in the central part of Illinois. I was actually born in Galesburg, Illinois, the Northwest part of the state, but then grew up uh, from kindergarten on in Mattoon, which is just right up the road from Eastern Illinois University. I know
0: Mattoon. My friend Alex Melvin lives there with Rory. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Do you
0: know Alex? I
1: actually know Alex's dad more. So Gary, his dad, I believe was actually even at my wedding. Him and my dad and Gary was on the board or is on the board of the bank. My dad was at for a long, long time. And so, yeah, so I know the Melvin family well. Great people, an amazing story. And, uh, What they've built is incredible. And they do amazing things for the city of Mattoon too, which is great. Well,
0: you need to meet Alex because you will just love him too. But now, did you grow up with siblings?
1: I did not. I'm an only child. So me having four kids, uh, I've always wanted four kids. Being an only child, I guess that's probably what spurred that. But my house is a little different than my upbringing. Mine was quiet. If I wanted to go play with that toy, I went and played with the toy. But now I'm learning about sibling fighting and Different things like that, you know?
0: Right. You don't know this, but that's something else we have in common. You're an child. I grew child. up as an only child as well. And it was a great life. Absolutely. But I always said, God willing, I wanted more than one child because, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit lonely. And yeah. I mean, I don't have one regret about being an only child, but definitely I will tell you in my adult life, there have been some things I've had to actually go back and retrain myself on, like... When my husband and I married, I'm like, what are you doing in the bathroom?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mine is, why are you stealing my French fries? Like, if you want your own French fries, get your own French fries, you know?
0: I mean, there's definitely some little idiosyncrasies there with being an only child, for sure. For sure. And uh, yeah, we had lots of conversations about that when we first got married because he grew up with brothers. So We
1: called the OCS at my house, my wife and I, the only child syndrome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But I know that you had a cousin, Dean, <laughs> that I think kind of inspired you a little bit even to do what you did when you came out of college.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And that's it, part of the story I love to share. And, and my family's very close, my mom's side and my dad's side. But living in Matchin, Illinois, we had a, my cousin graduated from college and he then was uh, going to be what was called a stockbroker back in the day, right? And I was probably 14, 15 years old. And jumped in the car, headed to uh, the town. He was moving into this new house and he had this, I remember this gold BMW and it had like speakers in the headrest and he blasted some music and I'm like, this is the life right here, you know? And (laughs) so he's the oldest cousin on my mom's side. I'm the youngest cousin. And so I just saw this life that he was building at a young, what seemed like a young age. And, you know, I got into college and decided that's probably what I wanted to do. My dad was a banker. My grandpa was a banker, uncle banker. So I worked at a bank for a little bit during college, but decided I wanted to do this stockbroker thing. And that's what led me to this. And and him and his wife were talking to my, I guess it was my girlfriend at the time, now obviously my wife, but they said, whatever you do, put two years of work into your first year and you'll make a career out of this thing.
0: Meaning hit the ground running. Just learn as much as you can. Work hard, right, Brett? You know, if you think that success just comes, it doesn't. I mean, it takes hard work.
1: Yeah, it really does. And we had a guy I worked with Jeff. uh, We went and met with his grandpa who owned a car dealership and was very successful. And he said, success only comes before work in the dictionary. And that was another one. So two years of work into one year and success only comes before working the dictionary was something, thankfully for me at a young age, that I learned and figured you got to go all in with this business.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, after college, you went to Northwestern. I mean, you had incredible success there. You did not only just being an advisor, but you were also in charge of recruiting. And I wanted to ask you, what were some of the tenets that you look for when you were recruiting young people?
1: Yeah, you know that's a great question. And, and it still holds true to this day. I mean, we're, we look for financial advisors to be part of our team, part of our culture. The success from their past certainly didn't hurt, whether that was sports or schooling. It seems like in the financial planning world, there's a lot of sports that goes on. That's a theme you see in our industry. Good or bad, it is a theme. And so I think that a good, healthy upbringing was really, really important that faith, the family, that foundation that was so critically important to their success and their upbringing also you know, went on to their life, their professional life to be successful. But one of the biggest things, Lisa, always said was, I called it the country club criteria. Picture a country club or picture whatever. It doesn't have to be a country club. It could be anything you want. It could be your local favorite restaurant. And I looked at it as this, if I could take Lisa and drop Lisa off, And now wear a visionary wealth advisor shirt and I could introduce you to 30 or 40 or 50 people that are the most influential people in our community. If I could introduce you and then leave and walk away and not be worried about what Lisa was going to do or say, how you're going to behave, how you're going to act, then that's the person that we wanted to hire.
0: Oh, that's a great litmus test right there. And I know like at Northwestern, your recruits 40 to 60 calls every day, 25 referrals a week. I mean, it's hard work.
1: It's a lot of work. And that's why I think, again, those characteristics we talked about, that's what separated those people from the rest that didn't make it in that environment. Just
0: good work ethic. But I know that you were super successful. In fact, you were in the top 250 advisors. And then in 2014, you decided along with your partner, Tim Hammett, you co-founded visionary wealth advisors. So I want to ask you, what were you hoping, Brett, to do differently?
1: Yeah, I think it was to be able to sit on the same side of the table with clients. And I preface it with a lot of great people, right, at my old stomping grounds, and they do a lot of good work for people. But at the same time, I I wanted to sit on the same side of the table. I didn't want to be the sales. I didn't want to do that kind of stuff anymore. And I always say, I knew the sandbox was, say, you know, this big. It was the size of a football field but I wanted to be the size of the United States. And so for us, that was one of the things was if we could go be a fiduciary, go sit on the same side of the table and really work hand in hand with those clients about their most important goals, their dreams, their future, right? We talk about our mission is to help people achieve a future greater than their past. And that's what we wanted to be able to do. And I wanted to be able to go and create a brand and create a business and, and do good work in our community and host a podcast eventually one day and and do all those things. And that's what was really, really important. But at the end of the day, it was doing what's right for the client and sitting on the same side of the table as them.
0: It took a little bit of guts though, right? Sure. But I know that you focused on the Fs to the fifth flower. And I want to talk about that. But before we do that, I want you to tell a little bit, our listeners, about your Jerry Maguire story.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, we were successful, right? We were doing well as my success was going one way, defining success how we won. I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but my success on the inside was not good. And so I was not happy, even though I was, again, quote unquote, successful in that world. I was just not happy with it. And I said, you know what? I- I'm young. I think I was 36, 37 at the time, 36, maybe. And I said, look, I don't want this to be my life. I love what we do. I love serving clients. I love this industry, but I wanted something different. And so I went to my wife in January of 2014. I said, honey, I'm thinking about leaving and starting this new business. And I remember we were in our bedroom. I remember her looking back. She was pregnant with our fourth child. And she said, is this the right time? I said, no, this is a terrible time and we had just built a new home like about 13 14 months before that we owned an office building that we were out of our firm was out of in edwardsville my advice to other people is when something hurts bad enough that's when you're going to make the decision to step through that difficulty step through your comfort zone and go make something happen and that's exactly what tim and i did i mean it was it was extremely scary and so i resigned from our firm at 7:30 a.m. on a monday morning and Thankfully, was able to go back and present, not even present, but tell all the people that I had recruited and trained and developed. Because you had a whole
0: team there.
1: Yeah. So I was in the Edwardsville office. There was 25, 30 people between advisors and staff. And and I walked over and got to go in and, and say, Hey, I'm leaving. You know, I love you all. And and you know, I'm starting this new company called Visionary Wealth Advisors. And and a guy in the back, Joe, stood up and said, What about those guys that want to go with Brett? inside, I was like, oh my gosh, like the emotions, you know, almost overtake you. And the other person in the room said something. And so anyway, long story short, I uh, walked out, I went to a restaurant and I grabbed a big table, thinking hopefully to God, people would want to come with me. And so I went and I sat there for about 15 minutes by myself. And that's when some negative talks come in. And (laughs) then one after another, People came and about 15 advisors decided to join Visionary Wealth Advisors with just literally a vision, as the name of the company says, was just a vision. We didn't even have business cards. Website wasn't even up yet. It was just the mission and the passion for what we were going to do and who we were going to serve.
0: That's an incredible story because they did. They trusted in the vision and they trusted in you, Brett. You, know, you painted that picture of a greater tomorrow then, you know, something better than their past, right? So let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back with the Something Extra podcast. We at Technology Partners understand the difficulty to find work that is engaging, yields high pay and facilitates a work-life balance. Over the past 25 years, we have enhanced the IT teams of over 244 client companies and placed more than 3000 IT professionals with them on short-term or permanent basis. Our staff includes over 300 experienced IT professionals. So if you're looking to take the next step in your career, visit jobs.technologypartners.net. Apply for a job, and one of our expert recruiters will be happy to connect with you. So welcome back to the Something Extra podcast with Brett Gillan. So Brett, we kind of teased our listeners a little bit. I want you to talk about the Fs to the fifth power, which is kind of your philosophy and your pillars, if you will.
1: So yeah, F to the fifth power is something that has really helped me over the years. Uh, like you, Lisa, you know, you're a busy person and whether it's kids and business and charities and all the things that you have to do is I was like searching for something to make my decisions, right? What's the bucket I can put things in to make a decision? And it really came down to my faith My family, my fitness, so my health, right? My firm, which is work, and then fun. I mean, if you're not having fun and being full of joy in life, then really what's the point of doing all this? And so for me, anytime I get asked to do something, whether it's come on this podcast, right? For me, this is a lot of things. It's fun. We help serve other people. It, it helps me. I know we'll talk about faith. It, it helps the firm, right? There's a lot of things. So you got to have, in my way, a checks and balance, if you will, on how you're going to say yes to things. And if it's a yes, then it's a heck yes. Let's do it. And if it's a no, then it's a heck no. We're not going to do it. And so I think that's important for people to have a filter on how you make decisions. So for me, again, it's faith, family, fitness, fun, and firm. And those are the ways that I go about making decisions in my life that I know my wife does as well. Uh, That's really, really important to me.
0: I kind of call it a filter yeah. or principles that you put in place. So then everything that comes at you, because there's a lot yes. that comes at us all the time, right? But we always say every yes. Also, you're saying no to something else. That's correct. So making sure that your yeses are really yes and they align with basically, I mean, you know, I look at these and I think these are your values.
1: Absolutely. These these are guiding principles every day. Yeah.
0: You know, for our audience that has not done that, take the time. I mean, it does take some time and I'm sure you and your wife sit down together and kind of came up with these, but definitely take some time to do that. Oh yeah. I want to talk a little bit. I've got to ask you this question. (laughs) How has technology come in to play with building VWA?
1: Yeah, I mean it's critically important, and obviously you do this for a living. But I mean, for us, it's clients expect it, our advisors expect it. I mean, that's one of the things when, when we look at from other advisors that join our firm. I mean, that's technology is a big part of that. How can we make their life easier by making them serve their clients in a more efficient manner? And so, myself and Tim, you know, my business partner, the co-founder of the firm with me. We formed a committee, and I say we, actually our team formed a committee, and we were not invited to the committee. When we were 100% fine with that, on board with it, and it was advisors, it was some staff, it was experienced advisors, it was, you know, newer in our world now is, you know, a 10-year, call it a 10-year, 15-year advisor. Uh, So a person like that, all the way up to 30, 40 years in the business... We got a group of great minds together and they went through a nine month decision making process on what is the best technology stack or technology platform that we could possibly have, including an app in the app stores to all the things that you need to serve clients and serve advisors. That's what we have to do. And so as the CEO and co-founder of the firm, we have to provide a platform where, again, people can be happy, feel safe, but have great technology.
0: You have to have the right tools in your tool belt to accomplish the mission.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say the tool belt. I talk about that all the time. Is I you know I call it the toolbox. And and we gotta have the toolbox there to where you can just reach in and grab that tool you need and know that you're gonna serve that client to the best of your ability.
0: Absolutely. Well, we've already touched on faith, but I do want to ask you, you know, how has faith and belief really played a role in what you've built at VWA? Personally, Brett, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's not a one and done thing for me.
1: Yeah, almost to the point where they can can leave you speechless, right? I mean, that's how critically important it is and has been for me back at the beginning when I was 23, but even to start visionary. I mean, I remember many of nights laying there in bed with my pregnant wife sleeping next to me, three other children sleeping, a new home and a business and thinking, what am I doing? But it was right. And I would sit there and stare at the ceiling and have those discussions with God and have that faith that, you know what, if it didn't work, my family is still going to love me. Hopefully I'm talented enough. I can figure something out to go provide for the family. Now, there was never a plan B. There was always a plan A that this thing is going to work and it will work and I will do everything in my power to make it work. But I had to have somebody set and shotgun with me. And one of my favorite, I learned that when I was probably 24, 25 I went to the St. Louis prayer breakfast, which you've probably been to all of them as well. And Kurt Warner, if you remember, spoke. And I love that because he said, welcome to my office. Because that's back when the Rams were playing in St. Louis. We were in the the Dome. And I remember him saying, you don't put God in the trunk, right? You have him sitting shotgun with you. And for me, that's what it's been. It's just that person that you can sit there that you can talk to and have discussions and share your thoughts and your feelings and your fears and know that somebody's got your back and that, you know what? Yeah. Is it scary? Yeah. Is it a good time? No. But belief in yourself, belief in God, belief in goal achievement, belief in a process, all those. And that's part of the circuit of success is a belief. And then belief is followed with faith that ultimately you have to take action. And that's the only way it's going to work. Because you can have faith, as you know, as well as I do. We can have faith all day long. But if you don't take action, it ain't going to work.
0: There's so much packed in there. But one of the things that you said, there was not an option being. And I know for you, you said you were all in, burn the ships. Don't you think that that kind of mindset is what you need?
1: I've seen it tons of times where people are like, oh, if this doesn't work, I'll go do A, B, and C. They've already got their plan B. So in my mind, in my opinion, they've already failed because they already know that, oh, yeah. So when this gets tough, you're gone. It's over with. I do
0: want to move into, because I know your personal belief and your personal philosophy and the philosophy of the firm is to give back to the communities in which you work and live and serve and have your business. And so you guys are so involved in the community. And I know that you and Julie founded Swing for Hope based on some personal events, right? That happened. But tell our listeners a little bit about that. And oh my goodness, you're, you're doing so much. And I didn't know you were on Brace for Impact. Oh, it's
1: amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that's one of the boards I set on. Yeah, so Swing for Hope. It's Swing for F O R E because I'm a golfer, right? And you scream for if you hit one towards somebody. Hopefully you don't do that when you're golfing, but Swing for Hope was started in 2007. My wife's mom, her grandma, two of her aunts were all diagnosed with breast cancer in like a 6 to 7 month period. So, obviously crazy time. You know, unfortunately one of her aunts ended up passing away. Her mom has been off and on battling cancer, basically on battling cancer since 2003. And my wife and I were talking one day and like anything, it comes back to this faith, right? Believing in a greater spirit and believing in people that they'll come and support. And if you do it for the right reasons, they'll be there for you. And so we said, you know what? We're gonna start a charity. We're gonna call it Swing for Hope. I'm gonna call the golf course. I said, how much does it take to rent the golf course for the day? They said, it's $10,000. And I said, that's a big number. But I said, you know what? Book it, we'll figure it out. And so I think sometimes in life, people try to, figure everything out first and then go do it. Yes. I'm not saying make irrational decisions. Be well thought out, right? Have a game plan, have a business plan. But sometimes you do just have to take action. And so we did that. And that day we raised $20,000. So we had to pay 10 to the place and we were able to donate 10,000. Yeah. But we, we got it going. We've kept it going now from 2007 until today. And we help people with their mortgage payments, their power bills, getting to and from chemotherapy to donations to the Sightman Cancer Center, which is an unbelievable institute here in St. Louis. And we help them see grants. They need $10,000 per grant to then be able to get the big grants, right? The ones we read about in the newspapers for 20, 30, 40 million dollars That started because of a $10,000 grant that was given to that doctor or that research team to be able to prove that something was moving in the right direction in that cancer study. And so we fund those. And again, we help people in the greater St. Louis area that have been hit with the word cancer in their life that really need us. And so it's amazing what the community does. They step up. They show up. And they write checks and we get to serve and impact a lot of people.
0: So powerful. Well, let's talk about Circuit of Success podcast. And you've been doing this a little bit longer than I have. I started my podcast in 2018. I think you started in 2016. So you've you've been doing this for a while. But one of the things that I think you and I talked about, you go from a selfish standpoint. I feel like it's like my therapy. (laughs) You know, what have you personally learned? From doing the podcast,
1: I would say the biggest things are every single person puts their pants on the same way. These are things we all know, right? But you hear people like Chip Wilson, the founder of Lululemon, who you know is however many billions of dollars, and you think that he's different, and he's not. I think Lisa Nichols, when she's a podcast guest, that she's different. She's not, right? We all get out of bed in the morning and have to go do and fight the good fight. And I think for me, it's a question I ask on every episode is how many of the fears you put in your mind actually blow up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be. And I think we can drive around, right? When we're starting our company or we're making this investment in a piece of real estate, if somebody's driving down the road, listen to this, whatever it may be, you have those fears, but how many of them that we've put in our mind have actually blown up to the magnitude we put in our mind to be? Very rarely, and every time on the show, somebody says never. I had one a couple weeks ago that said, yeah, it did happen. A very bad thing happened in her life, but how she responded and how her life is after the fact is still different than what her fear was in her mind when she thought it was going to happen. I think those things. I think the teamwork that it takes. I mean, I couldn't do what I do every day without amazing people on our team, learning that from great people, the culture, stay focused on your community. When you make a living in a community, you got to give back to the community. Most people that I have on my podcast, that's what they're about. We're all trying to make a difference in the world in our own little ways. To agree with what you said, it is therapy. It's therapy every week. I get done, I have more energy. Uh, Then when I started the show and when I get off the show and I feel good and then I'm able to take that back again selfishly I'm able to take that back to my kids My son is right now reading a book about this guy that climbed the seven summits Well, we were talking about it. I said, you know, what's funny I had a guy on my podcast three or four years ago that was blind that climbed all seven summits So i'm able to then share that podcast episode with my son This one is 12 is able to go out and think about that and he goes Isn't it amazing what people can accomplish in this world? And so now I'm opening up their minds and their hearts to a whole nother way of living that they're just gonna go out and hopefully be respectful, kind, humble young men that can make a difference in the world that hopefully they take these things that I'm learning and they listen to it. They follow you on social media and they get these nuggets. And that's my number one goal with that.
0: I could not agree more. Well, I need to get the name of that book because our nine year old might really enjoy that too. Every person has a story. And, uh, you know, those stories need to be told.
1: I was at a social event the other day and a guy said, you know what? He goes, he's never listened to my podcast. Probably because it's like, oh, that's my buddy Brett, right? What could he possibly know? You know, but it's amazing. He goes, it's so positive and uplifting. And he goes, and I realized I needed that in my life. And now I'm really listening to it more often. And it's the same thing with yours, right? It's, you're going to pick up a nugget versus our cell phones, our TVs, everything else is negative all over the world. So if you can get one good thing and feel better when you're done listening, driving to a meeting across town, you should do it.
0: I agree. You and I have talked a little bit offline about how do you define success, and then how do you think about that with significance? And I think I know what you're going to say, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. I know for me this morning, here's what I wrote in my journal, and I know you're a big journaler too. I don't want to lead a mediocre life. I want to lead a life that is, number one, honoring to God, but number two, makes an impact on people. And that can be a myriad of ways, right, that we can impact people. You know, what you're doing with Swing for Hope. But how do you think about success to significance, Brett?
1: I think in our world today, so many people look at success by money. And I work with money every single day, right, with what we do from a firm standpoint. But for me, it is way more important to have your life clarity Figured out, right? Where you're going, what you want to do, what are your goals, your dreams, your aspirations? One year, three year, five year, 30 years from now. For me, every single person should have a different definition of success, right? And it's not just money, it's time with your family, your kids, your grandkids, whatever it may be that people have. It's time away. You got to slow down to speed up. So for me, that significance to success is am I leaving a legacy for people, the community? My children, my future grandchildren. I already see the ice cream shop we're going to. I already know the last dinner we're gonna have at the, you know, the when they have to leave and go back to school at the place we're gonna be in Florida. And I see that stuff because it's critically important for my significance for me to feel successful is to have those things dialed in now and then work hard today to be able to make those things happen in the future. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I have right here. I said, I'm a leader of my family and our firm, engaging in deep, meaningful conversations and relationships. I choose to encourage, challenge, and inspire those around me. I think abundantly, and we live and give abundantly. I already have everything I need inside me. That's a statement that I read every day, and it's important for me to be able to do that. So if I'm living that and I live my ideal week and my ideal day... That's success for me.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, but I have to ask you, this is the Something Extra podcast, Brett. So what do you believe is the Something Extra that every leader needs?
1: For? I think it's a process. So um, we all know that. We, you hear the words passion for the process. But for me, it's these two journals right here. I'll hold up for those that can see it. You know, I'm holding up a black leather journal and then my Future grade Than Your Past journal that I've created And in here, I've got my ideal life and I've got my daily planner that I literally fill out every single day. It's got a weekly scorecard at the end of the week of things that I've learned. And so my point to that without boring you with all the details in a Sunday planning, but is have a process and follow that process Every day, if you can, does that mean that we're all perfect and I'm just every morning I wake up and sing Kumbaya and, and want to get into my future green, your past journal? No, there's certainly days where, you know, maybe you stayed up a little bit too late or maybe you just don't feel like it. It's raining outside, whatever it may be. But I can tell you the more times that you spend with a piece of paper, an ink pen yes, and your mind and some quiet time, you will win. And if we can win the morning, we can win the day so this whole process of everything I have in my journal that I've created is about winning the morning to win the day to win life. And that's something extra is I think so many of us get busy and we let our days control us. We let our emails control us. Our phone notifications control us. And you go home and you're exhausted and you're like, I was busy, but what did I just accomplish?
0: And is there anything of significance? Is there anything that's going to last beyond me? So. Yeah, that's so rich. There's so much packed in there. But tell me this, is there something coming up that you're really excited about that maybe our listeners could get involved in?
1: Absolutely. So we have Swing for Hope as our charity that we talked about already. So on June 20th, it's always the Monday after Father's Day. People can go to swingforhope.org and they can uh, join us at a golf tournament. And then also another event that's kind of, it's Swing for Hope focused, but at the same time, if you look up this guy named Coach Ballgame, I met him through Joe Buck. It's amazing, this guy and what he's doing for baseball around the country. We did it last year at the Grizzly Stadium here and just outside of St. Louis. And we're doing it again. It's a baseball camp all day Saturday, followed by then we're going to do a cornhole tournament and a country music singer, Matt Stillwell is coming to town. And we're just going to have a party to raise money and to give back to other people, but also teach the next generation character and integrity and love for the sport of baseball, but love for life. And uh, that's going to be on August 12th and 13th people can, you know, look me up on social media for sure. If they want to reach out and get involved in something that's really, really fun, check out Coach Ballgame's story. It's amazing. And you won't want to miss it here in St. Louis.
0: That's awesome. Well, very good. Well, hey, Brett, thanks again so much for making the time to be on the show today. It was so much fun. Well,
1: it was a pleasure being with you and appreciate all you're doing out there. It's amazing. And uh, thanks for all you're doing. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc. 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.